you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Media Group. This is the Lone Gunman Podcast. With your host, Rob Clark. Where research comes to shine and myths come to die. Stay tuned. What's up, everybody? Like you, like you just heard, this is Rob Clark. This is the Lone Gummin Podcast, and today is episode number 62. And I have a special guest returning for the third time. Who better than to talk about the mafia <laughs> <laughs> than my friend of Italian descent, Mr. Carmine Savastano? Uh, uh, g- uh. Greetings, compare. <laughs> Ciao. <laughs> How you been, man? Oh, not too bad. Just hanging and banging, man. Taking heat, taking flack. As always. You know, they love it when we talk. <laughs> they don't like it when I have lone nutters on the show, believe me. Yeah, well, you know, like we've discussed before, though, hopefully that's starting to subside with some people, that people are starting to go for the evidence and not care, you know, what side you're talking about. Exactly, which is the way it should be. I mean, can't we all just get along? I mean, <laughs> God, bless. Uh, hopefully at least the, the reasonable people with evidence can. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Now, what I wanted to talk to Carmine uh, today about is the Mafia their possible role in the Kennedy assassination. And there is a lot of mafia figures we have tied with uh, the assassination. The HSCA, as biased as they might have been, did um, come to the conclusion that the mafia was involved in some capacity with the assassination. And when you look at some of the players that we're going to be talking about today, people like... uh, Santo Traficante, you know, he was a a, a businessman. He, you know, he had interest in Cuba and, and, and gambling and things. Yeah, like Giancana, they called him a tomato salesman. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he sold tomatoes, supposedly. Yeah. Um, you know, we know Traf- Traficante spent some time in Cuba. Um, we know Jack Ruby went to visit him in, in prison down there. Uh, that, that, according to the file, that's what they say. Yeah, I mean, you know, his uh, 
almost a resort, I guess, instead of a prison. But, um, you know, that's what Castro will do for you when you're rich and powerful. Um, you know, like like you just said, we got Sam Giancana. He, he wrote a book in the late 70s uh, expressing in, involvement and knowledge of Kennedy's assassination. Um, we have uh, Carlos Marcello out of New Orleans, mob boss, had lots of ties to people like David Ferry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Guy Bannister. Guy Bannister and, uh, you know, Dean Andrews, a, a, lot, a lot of these people that, that you know, you're going to hear us talk about today, especially in New Orleans, are, are tied tightly to each other. You know, it's hard to talk about one thing without talking about the other. Um, Jimmy Hoffa, okay, we're going to touch on today too. The Kennedys, especially Bobby, were up his ass, man, dragging him in front of Congress month after month after month. And believe me, I'll link up a couple YouTube videos here on the website, tlgpodcast.com, where you can see it for yourself. Jimmy Hoffa hated the Kennedys. And oh, I yeah, mean, Bobby especially. And I mean hated them, dude. Um, like I said, these videos I'll put up, you'll be like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened in Congress. It did. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. and, and like people are going to see the picture for this episode is Jimmy Hoffa letting Bobby Kennedy know exactly how he feels about him in Congress. He's giving him the old scratch in his eye middle finger. Yeah, the the seventh grade middle finger. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> Bobby Kennedy, did you say something? No, no. You must yeah. be hearing things. I can't remember what uh, what section it's from, but I remember watching part of the the, con- the congressional thing between Hoffa and Bobby, where Hoffa laughs. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, this isn't Hoffa. I, I think it was uh, it was either Traficante or uh, Giancana, and they laugh. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, my fault. Traficante or Marcello. They ask a question. The Marcello laughs, and Bobby says, "You know, only little girls laugh." <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only little girls giggle at questions. Yeah. You know, just stuff like that, little shots at each other the whole time is what occurred. Yeah, like Bobby and Hoffa. Did, so did you tell somebody you were going to break my back? Yep. And Hoffa, and then, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly, and he so said that. That, yeah. that it's confirmed that he said that. Yeah. I mean, trust me, there was no love lost between the mafia especially when you when you go back and look at the connections with uh, Joseph Kennedy and 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 the she uh, shit the Chicago connection was yeah. It, yeah Illinois getting uh, getting Jack Kennedy votes in Illinois yeah well supposedly there are people who think that it was that there you know a lot of people allege there was that meeting between Giancana and Joe Kennedy oh I'm sure it was yeah and then what do the Kennedy boys do when they get into office and get some power they start going after the Costa Nostra yep well Jack not so much. <laughs> But Bobby definitely. No, Jack did too, though, back when he well, was yeah, still in Congress. Yeah, you're right, the McClellan Commission. He did Jack. Early on, Jack went after them. But I think, you know, once start, the connections started happening with his government. Right. Once Bobby was Attorney General, that yeah. was, yeah, it got nasty. And a, and a good a good uh, background, if you have, if people out there haven't seen it, is actually the movie Hoffa. It has a lot of, the, of good interaction between the Kennedys and Hoffa. Yeah. I, I actually have a little story. When we get to him, remind me. I have a little story. I haven't met, you know, I know a lot of people that have done books and are in the community. I've met a ton of these mob figures. I've only met one, but he was an enforcer for Hoffa. Sweet. So. You sure you only know one? Well. 
<laughs> Only one I'm willing to talk about because he's dead now. There you go. <laughs> he died see, a few months back, so. See why I had Carmine come on the show to talk about those people? <laughs> All right, Carmine, so let's jump. I had you uh, come up with some documents, some documentations that we could think we, we could lay on everybody to actually prove um, some of these alleged involvements uh, with, with a lot of these figures. And the first one I wanted to touch on today is the Santo Traficante, Jack Ruby, Lewis McWillie document. Okay. Uh, this is from the HSCA segregated staff notes. Um, basically it talks about a a lot of different, uh, groups that might be connected that they found out from, uh, the documents that they were able to put together. And I believe this is occurring in the late sixties, early seventies. It's, uh, they already had the inspector general's report, which was, you know, the CIA's own guys basically taking apart all the mistakes they made. Right. And this is just, you know, among the notes in it. And what the document talks about is that. McWilly, as we all know, it was a close associate of Jack Ruby, yep. and he paid for Ruby to come to Cuba in 59. Now, that isn't on there, but I have other documents, uh, some of which I showed you, I think, but you know, I can, I can send you anything. Uh, but in the other documents, what it shows, it, it affirms this connection that's made in this document, because Ruby stayed at the Tropicana in 59, like I said, as a guest of McWilly. But what isn't very well known is that Meyer Lansky owned the Tropicana. Jack Ruby associated with Jake Lansky, his brother, while he was there. Now, this is at the same time in 59. You've got Jake Lansky, Meyer Lansky, and McWillie. You've got uh, Jack Ruby there. You've got Traficante being seen in the area. And at that same time, Frank Sturgis is the gambling inspector for Castro in the Tropicana. Right. Now, what you're talking about here is uh, some of these Jewish gangsters uh, that were very, very good with money. Mm -hmm. Lansky being the chief of them. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you know, it was mutually beneficial for them to work together. Um, You know, not not with everything, but on certain endeavors back then. Mm -hmm. And we have Louis McWillie, Jack Ruby's best friend, um, who was actually might have been put in the old boots or throwing stones to Tammy True. Um, but that's another story. <laughs> well, the thing with McWillie, too, is that he started out as, you know, he built up as a small-time player and basically befriended Jake Lansky and was able to eventually become a pit boss. But, you know, he was like, he was a nobody originally, but as he got in, and it seems like as Ruby came in and helped or visited with him for whatever, his fortunes got better. Right now, Santo Traficante, I mean, as we know, um, you know, there was alleged to be another, I guess, assassination plot in Tampa, Florida. Now, the the southeast of the United States, this was Traficante's area that he controlled, right? Yeah, he he was the, the boss of Tampa, and yeah, he had a lot of influence in the southeast. Like he was basically the only he was the only guy left standing. Uh, what's interesting about Traficante is is that he actually, at the time of the assassination, was not a longtime boss. His dad had died shortly before, I believe it was the late fifties or early sixties, and Traficante assumed the helm. 
as the new boss, but he was young for a boss, but he knew everything. His father had spent his whole life teaching him how to be a boss. So he was, he was involved in a lot of, you know, he was able to assume the mantle of his father and take over a lot of the strings that his father could pull. Now, the problem is, is that he and Lansky didn't like each other. So that's what makes me doubt Traficante. I think that Traficante and Giancana, you know, might have known things. I think that they they might have facilitated things without exactly knowing what they were for. But I don't think there's a direct link of those two. I do think there's a lot of links of Traficante and, uh, I'm sorry, of uh, Marcello and Lansky. But I think those two were just doing whatever benefited them. They might not have been directly involved as far as Traficante and Giancana, in my opinion. You know, it's it's possible, but I think that with Traficante, some of the background that uh, most people don't know is that the reason Traficante and Lansky hated each other is because Lansky had screwed Traficante over a few times as far as money. And later on, uh, I, I can't remember, in Upper State New York, when they had the big mafia meeting that Hoover busted or that the yeah. Bureau busted, Giancana... And Traficante were stuck there, and Lansky didn't go for some reason. So I think Lansky knew. I think Lansky knew that that bust was going to happen, and he wanted to let them both get nailed, but not himself. And that's quite possible. You know, uh, there's allegations of the mob having blackmail on, on Hoover. Um, yeah. The, the pictures. Know? My yeah. whole thing with the pictures is no one can produce them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Well, I mean, it makes sense if it exists, but how long have they all been dead? If someone's got these pictures, you know. Oh, I know. I mean, Gordon Neville said he saw them, but yeah, who how knows? reliable is that? Exactly. You know, that's the same guy, I believe, that also said he was the missing witness. And I read one of the, one of the statements that I thought was utterly ridiculous. I, t- I actually talk about it in the book, is when he... Uh, he goes after uh, Garrison, calling him the Big Bad Wolf and a bunch of other stuff. But then he refers to his name. It's like, dude, cryptonyms are meant so you don't say their name. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you don't need to give him a cryptonym if you're going to say his name. <laughs> exactly. Now, a lot of these mafia guys were pissed at Castro. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because when Castro took power, he pretty much shuttered all the casinos uh, that, that were down there, and that was a huge money pit. It was a uh, hundreds was, of millions. Yeah, lost. yeah, we're talking a lot of money, money worth killing a motherfucker over. You know? Oh yeah, oh definitely. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't you know a couple thousand. We're talking millions, people. Yeah, they lost. Uh, they were making at one point a hundred million dollars a year, and that's then. So that's probably almost a you know at least half a billion in today's money. Yeah, you know, and, and a lot of. Uh, a lot of the elite and, and uh, some of the Hollywood figures would, you know, it was more, it was almost like a resort, you know. It was, yeah, it was a playground. It was a tropical playground. Yeah, exactly. That's a good, that's a good word to describe it. And then once Castro took power, that was it. You know, he shut all that stuff down. Yep. Nationalized everything. Yep. And, uh, you know, it was totally, totally different after that. You know, I'm, and I think the reason that the mafia would have cooperated with uh, the CIA efforts, the, uh, what, what's the Castro called? plots. Yeah. The Castro plots, the unofficial plots, mm-hmm. um, was because they had an interest in, in getting Castro out of power so they could get their foothold back into Cuba and yep. start making that money again. You know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, it's, 
the, I think it's not only all just you know the boss's natural financial interests, but one thing is that Lansky, since the 30s, had a dream of setting up a country that the mob could launder all its money through. And that's what Cuba was for a few years. It was the ultimate laundering scheme where they could make all their money turn clean by going through a national government that could be bribed because they just gave hundreds of thousands of dollars to Batista and Batista just opened everything up to them to use. Oh, most definitely. You know, and, and it's not that it's not that I believe that necessarily that the mafia was, was, was uh, you know, coming up with their own plans and, and this and that to assassinate Kennedy. I think, if anything, if they were involved in any capacity whatsoever, it was at the behest of the Central Intelligence Agency. It's possible. Uh, either a rogue or an ex-member, just somebody who knew. I, I think at least what, what can be said, I'd contend this anyway based on the evidence. I don't know if people would agree, but I think that we can link Ruby to them. That at least that fail-safe is the mafia. Now, I don't, I don't think that they necessarily know about the plan. I don't think that they necessarily know about the shooters. But I think that someone was told, if Oswald lives, this guy's going to get a call, Ruby, and he's going to need to do what he needs to do. Yeah, and you know, for a man to kill another man that he has no personal grudge over. Exactly. You know, it takes a lot. And there's no evidence that Jack Ruby had ever killed anybody before that day. Nope. That I know of. No, he'd beaten people, but there's no evidence that he ever murdered anybody. Right. And, it, you know, it wasn't like this guy's a cold-blooded killer. You know what I'm saying? It, it's like any any normal, regular person, um, you know, they might have had bad tendencies. You know, but to take it to another level of murdering somebody in cold blood. In front of everyone. In front of the world. Yeah. On live television. That takes nuts. But it also takes motivation exactly there has to be something so strong that it could alter all of your behavior up until that point yeah and it's not just because he felt bad for jackie kennedy that's <laughs> ridiculous that's the biggest <clears throat> bullshit reason in the world i mean it's yeah well andy stalked him that's i'm sorry but ruby was there friday ruby was pretending to be a reporter correcting you know henry wade on friday that's not what a passionate man does a passionate man kills you they don't wait right. for the opportunity. They don't stalk you for days. Yeah, I was I was watching a, a, a Tammy True, uh, what do you call him, oral history, mm -hmm. and she was saying that Jack was this great guy, you know, such a caring guy. Yeah, and uh, you know, he never would have left his dog in the car, you know, and all this and all that, you know, trying to get everybody to buy that Jack was this great guy and that. He was sincerely, emotionally um, disturbed enough to do this, you know, on the spur of the moment. But, well, you know, hey, she's got the right to her opinion. I think she's wrong. <laughs> yeah, I think she's wrong, too. I mean, you know, if you're going to do this, well, I mean, what are you going to do with your dog? You know, are you going to leave it at home or are you going to leave it in the car? It really doesn't matter where you leave it. Well, and another thing I think they use that doesn't make any sense is they say, well, you know, he did. he was just going there to... To do the, the, uh, the oh, where was it, uh, FedEx, he just wanted to, not FedEx, uh, he was sending money uh, to one of his strippers. Right. And, man. yeah, and, and, and that's, that they said that that somehow proves that he didn't premeditate it. No, that gives him an alibi. 
That's just another reason to yeah. premeditate. A reason, a reason to be right next to the, you know, yeah. um, police headquarters. Yeah. Like there wasn't any other Western Union in town that he could have used closer exactly. to him. I wonder if people check that out, how many Western Union locations were in the area that he might have gone to. Yeah, because he didn't live there. He lived over, you know, on the other side of town, over, over past Oak Cliff. Yeah. By the rooming house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, the club was closed, okay? The Carousel Club club was closed, you know, by it, this time. He would have no reason to be there. And it makes no sense either, because Ruby, I understand that Ruby was a small-time player. He wasn't anything of note. But I assume he had at least one lackey he could have sent to Western Union. Yeah. He didn't have to go himself unless there was a reason he needed to be there. Right. I mean, he could have sent George Senator. You know, he could have sent Andy Armstrong or... Yeah, any of the, any of the dancers. Huh. Yeah. Say, so, hey, do you mind, uh, you know, doing this for me? I mean, I realize some people, you know, like to take care of business themselves, which is fine. Yeah. But, you know, I, I just don't it, buy that story whatsoever. No. No, it doesn't make... In, in my opinion, it you know, it's... They, they can try to say that it's all... Uh, happenstance that he just happened, but okay, well, now let's go back into what the HSCA found. Let's look into the phone calls that he received days before from mafia members. You know, yeah. let's look Let's look into that they placed him there in the 50s to set up contacts with the cops to make, you know, not, not necessarily for an assassination by any means, but just to make things smooth so that he would have access. That's why he was able to get into the police station. You know, they said that a phone call from Jack Ruby was not an uncommon thing. Right. Right, and neither were cops at the carousel club. Exactly. You know, he, he was no drinks. Yeah. You know, they never paid. He treated them well, which is what a lot of establishments do. I don't fault them, but let's not say that, you know, he was, that all the cops had no connection. You know, they tried to make it look like he really didn't know that many. He knew a bunch of people, you know, yeah. officers, regular patrolmen, staff members. Oh, most definitely. Yeah, so it's to say that's – I wrote an article back a while on uh, rebutting some stuff that McAdams was talking about with Ruby because he said that he was just, you know, a, a mentally unbalanced man. No, he, he, we have links. We have evidence. He was, in, he was a mafia uh, – he was not, you know, an active member of the mafia, but he was a mafia pawn that they used, right. you know, that, that we can prove that they used. So – to say that he has no connection, he's just another, you know, lone nut that killed Oswald, that makes no sense. It doesn't conform with the evidence. Yeah, and I always thought, or I tried to figure, you know, what what could have possibly, be, possibly been Ruby's motivation? Now, whether or not he actually thought that, you know, he might be considered a hero for doing it and not really doing much jail time, maybe a couple years, and then he'd be out and be a hero, if, if at all, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as opposed to, you know, he, he could have been compromised with, because he was very fond of his sister, his brothers. You know, oh, yeah. There's always a, a weakness. That yeah, they there's can always exploit. a weakness. And, you know, what people don't understand is Jack Ruby did business in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, he would go there and recruit his girls, uh, and there's also allegations of gun running uh, from Bannister's office involving Jack Ruby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's one of the things they talk about in the in the, uh, in the first document. They actually 
the CIA is looking into these claims of gun running because they come up that Ruby was running guns from possibly from New Orleans or Miami to Castro. He was actually, uh, they were also looking into a shipment of Jeeps that supposedly Ruby was talking about selling to Castro. That's the, the ironic thing about a lot of these guys is everybody was pro-Batista, you know, because that's where their money was. And then as soon as Batista uh, was starting to look like he was going to go down, a lot of these guys were helping Castro. You know, yeah. they were basically hedging their bets. And then once Castro took over, he basically, everything they had took him, he nodded, he smiled, and he just booted a lot of them. I mean, and it's not just, people think that it's just the mafia. It's not just the mafia. It's also huge corporations like United Fruit. You know, Castro screwed over a lot of important, rich people. Yeah. Most definitely. You know, including um, companies of the Central Intelligence Agency, like you oh, said. Yeah. You know, yeah, fronts. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then we, then we, here, here's the thing, you know, we get into the fact that, that John Kennedy doesn't want to take official action against Cuba. Mm-hmm. So that relegates the CIA to doing these, um, unsponsored raids, uh, with these anti-Castro Cubans. They have to get funding from somewhere to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where I think some of this money could be coming from, Carmine, is these mafia guys. Oh, I totally agree. They, uh, in, uh, is it, it's either, I think in two documents, we'll, uh, one of the things I want to talk about is uh, Lansky trying to fund them. You know, a lot of people don't know that Meyer Lansky, among others, was trying to send money their way. Right. So and, that, and these guys were also raising their own money. Yep. Um, you know, we know guys like Lauren Hall, Lawrence Howard, uh, Thomas Beckham. Arcadia Smith. Yeah, Sergio Smith. You know, these guys... We're, we're, we're basically running, trying to run their own thing, basically. Mm-hmm. Make some side money on the government money. Yeah, and and, and we know that, that, that Howard and Hall were running guns. They were caught doing it through Dallas, as a matter of fact, um, back in either, was it September October mm-hmm. of 63? They actually got caught and were taken in uh, with a trailer full of guns. Um, you know, we have documents... Uh, I'll see if I can find it before we get off here. It's a, it's the Stanley, a Stanley Drennan document. From, I think it's the uh, Los Angeles FBI office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that cites that specific thing where they're, where they're running guns um, and medical supplies back across, you know, through Arizona, New Mexico, and Dallas, Louisiana, eventually to Florida where they can make their way to Cuba. Yep. Well, I know that they were, in some of the documents I've seen, they were hiding packages for themselves. The the anti-Castro exiles and the mercenaries were hiding, like, care packages of medical supplies and guns and stuff for themselves for future plans of attacking the island. Now, the problem was is that Castro also had his men out looking for them, so they found most of everything they hid. Right. Now, I, I found this document here, Carmine. I just want to read it real quick. Mm-hmm. It is a decoded copy of a teletype from the uh, from Mr. Belmont or from Mr. Belmont to Hoover, and it's dated four eighteen sixty three. It's to to the to Hoover from the special agent in charge of Los Angeles. Okay, Doctor Stanley L. Drennan, I.S. Cuba. So then we got something redacted. So I.S. Internal Security Cuba. Right. Uh, 
and the first part of this is redacted, and it says, who has furnished reliable information in the past to Los Angeles. So he was a snitch. Mm-hmm. Advised that Dr. Stanley Drennan, uh, MD, with offices at 350, 3550 West 8th Street, Los Angeles, advised him April 17th last that, in quotes, the organization was going to have a discussion that would take place at Poor Richard's Bookshop, which is owned and operated by F.X. Renuzzi. Drennan stated, would discuss plans to assassinate President Kennedy, Attorney General Kennedy, and some unidentified members of Congress. Stated, would have individual do it who was not a member of John Birch Society and therefore would be no reflection on the group. Drennan stated, this action necessary in view of the Pope's position and the administration's position against continuing fight against communism in favor of coexistence and work through United Nations. Drennan has a hatred for administration, uh, former President Eisenhower and other leaders not identified. He supports General Walker and current Cuban raiders. Drennan engaged in collecting materials, drugs, guns, clothing to be shipped to Cuban raiders, place unknown. Uh, Secret Service, Los Angeles is advised. Letterhead memo follows. Okay, and this was this was four eighteen sixty three. So they should have known then that there was at least at least a possible threat of some sort. Yeah, what's interesting is this is it's very damn close to the when was uh, the General Walker shooting? I believe it was April tenth. April tenth. So this is a week after that. Mm-hmm. Where we well, had, I I agree that Walker and some of the people that supported him were trying to make a big deal about it, and I think that that's what we've talked about. Where I. I have another article called The Rumor Heard Around the World where it basically shows that Walker might have been responsible for creating the Oswald shot him story. Right. Um, it's definitely possible. I mean, this is this is a week after the the uh, alleged uh, Walker shooting. Mm-hmm. And we have we have mention of the assassination of Kennedy, John Birch Society, General Walker and Cuban Raiders and sending supplies through, you know, down to them. Mhm. So yeah, I mean this is this is uh, what lots of potentials seven months in advance. Yeah, lots of potential people. Well, and it also lines up with kind of when you look at some of the there's a, there's a lot of the documents that you can line up that shows you know uh, that it's almost like they're setting up. There's people doing little bits of propaganda here and there to set up the coming storm as far as Oswald and the Fair Play for Cuba committee because Charles Kane or Richard Kane, who is a lieutenant of Giancana, in April of that year is reporting that the Fair Play for Cuba committee might uh, is having a secret meeting where they discuss the assassination of President Kennedy because Kane not only was a mafia uh, mafia worker for Giancana, but he was also the Cook County lead sheriff's investigator at the time. Now, is this the cane that was alleged uh, by some some people to have been a shooter? Yeah. Okay. I don't. I, yeah, and I don't believe that. No, I don't either. Uh, yeah, I don't believe any. You know, once again, like I said, I think that Ruby is, in my opinion, the extent of where most evidence can be contended. That Ruby was a fail safe, perhaps used by the mafia to make sure that Oswald went away. But other than that, I don't think that, you know, they supported a lot of these people and they might have had a hand in the development of some plots, but they didn't have the power to do it themselves and they didn't have the connections uh, inside the government. They didn't know the schedules, they didn't know the plans. It would have to be somebody not in the mafia to get those things. Right. Now, how much, how much stock do you put in, in uh, 
Thomas Beckham. What is uh? If you could, I've heard of him, but I don't know too much about him. Um, basically, Garrison was was hip to him and Chrisman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't tell really Garrison anything at the yeah. time in the grand jury. <clears throat> then to the HSCA in, in exchange for immunized testimony. Okay. Mm-hmm. With. Uh, by this time, Fred Christmas was dead, David Ferry's dead, Clay Shaw's dead, Oswald's dead. Okay, damn near everybody's dead, okay? This was in 76 or 77. Okay. That, that he gave this testimony. They told him, say, look, you know, you have immunity. We just need to know, the, you know, the truth. So what he told them, okay, he laid out this narrative to where he told them that, uh, he was. He did know Lee Oswald. He he was involved in a, a small group uh, that was working, f- basically for Chrisman. Chrisman was the li- liaison of something called the organization, which was mentioned in this this document that I just read to you. Okay, yeah, the uh, the ones that were associated with the John Birch Society. Right, and he, here's what here's what Beckham says. Now we have Beckham stating that he was there. He was present when Oswald was handing out his leaflets at the trademark and from what I can see it, it appears to be him I mean there's nothing definite for sure but mm-hmm. it, it, it looks a hell of a lot like him standing standing behind Oswald with a suit very hip to uh, covering his face he never he never shows his face directly to the camera he's very aware the camera is there you know he has his hand up around his face a lot mm-hmm. um, but he has that pompadour haircut um, it looks just like him and he told the HSCA that he was there and that after Oswald was done leafleting, they went and had a Coke. And they, he was talking to Lee Oswald and he was saying, you know, oh, don't worry about me. The chief has my back, meaning Hoover. Okay. Now, and then what Thomas Beckham is, is, is said later is that the offices of G. Ray Gill, who was, of course, attorney for Carlos Marcello, mm-hmm. one of Carlos Marcello's, I believe it's his son, Victor Marcello mm-hmm. was present at this meeting. Uh, let's see who else? I think Clay Shaw was there. David Ferry. And I'm not sure who else. Um, that one kind of puts me off to it. Ferry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what he states is that he he was given this package to take to Dallas a week mm-hmm. before a week before the assassination and give it to Lawrence Howard who was in Dallas, okay? Mm-hmm. And so they they got him on a plane, you know, told him, don't say nothing to nobody, just go to Dallas, find Lawrence Howard, or they, they told him where to meet him, whatever hotel he was staying at. So he met Lawrence Howard, and and uh, he goes through the documents and whatever's in this, in this uh, package. You know, there's pictures, diagrams, maps, and he's pissed because there's something missing. You know, so he asked Beckham, you know, where the rest of it is. Beckham's like, I don't know. This is all he gave me. So he was pissed about something. But anyway, he said he went back to New Orleans and relayed the information that he was pissed and doesn't really know what happened after that. Now, if you, if we can believe Beckham, which, of course, there's reasons not to, but there's also reasons to believe him. Um, well, I don't – since I'm learning this from you right now as we go. Yeah. 
let me uh, let me give you real quick what I think so far. I think that what you said so far is possible. I, I'm not going to say that it's my problems with it are one fairy. Marcello is never going to include fairy ever on any meeting of importance, especially on this subject. Fairy okay. talks to everybody about everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? The guy can't keep his mouth shut about like I was in an argument the other day in one of the forums. Because someone was trying to tell me that Judith Baker's claims are true because David Ferry did have a doctorate. Well, if you do the research, uh, it was funny because he presented the document that says that. But in the same document, if you actually read the whole thing, it says that it's from an unaccredited school through the mail. (laughs) So it's not a real doctorate. And it's a doctorate like in philosophy or something else. You know, it's not a doctorate in the necessary biomedical studies that would be required to do the things that they claim they did. (laughs) Yeah, like he was a bishop in the in the yeah, uh, church. No. Yeah, or that he was a nice guy. <laughs> right. Unbelievable. Yeah. No, but that's yeah, that's my only problem thus far with it. I don't think Gil, once again, attorneys, they're not gonna be at these meetings. I mean, they could be, but it, just by nature of their profession, if any of this got out. You know, I mean, I know he's, another thing is that a lot of people were dead. I don't like these after everybody's dead claims either. No, but it's, I mean, it's, it is easier to tell the truth when everybody's yeah. dead. No, and, I agree. I mean, I don't think he could have really spoke his, what he wanted to say to Garrison with, you know, Chrisman sitting right there. But he, I mean, do you actually, believe that Chrisman was? Because Chrisman, uh, I mean, what, what makes you think that Chrisman, was he a powerful person or? I think so, yeah. But could he have engineered that, – because that's my whole thing with the problem with the mafia. If the mob couldn't do it, could this Chrisman guy and these few people have done it? And my whole thing is anybody who would have been involved uh, – he said he got mad so he didn't get involved. But anybody that would have been involved, in my opinion, as far as shooters and those who might have known, would have been killed <laughs> afterwards. Okay. I was mistaken. It Ferry was not present at this point. Oh, okay. I'll, read you of what he said here right okay i guess the best place to start is a meeting i had in algiers louisiana it's as soon as you get off the ferry boat it's in orleans parish uh this meeting was attended by myself sergio raka g ray gill a gentleman who was told to me by the name of marcello if i'm not mistaken a picture i've seen of him was vincent marcello along with me was a gentleman a little bitty guy his name was oh lord let's see uh charlie morello uh, Sergio Racco Smith was there, Roswell Thompson, and a lady by the name of Burglass, Anna Burglass. She's a little stout, stout lady. At this meeting, a discussion was held. Uh, there was Cuban's president, other ones. Why would a woman be there? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This is not the one. Uh, here he says, I delivered a package uh, two weeks before, prior to the assassination uh, to a Mr. Howard. I went to Mr. G. Ray Gill's office. I was told to go there by Ferry, which I knew real well. And in his office, they, they uh, suffered up some documents, which were drawings, a map, uh, plots and stuff. There were pictures, pictures of buildings and cars and regular pictures, but they weren't. Well, what do you think of this guy's credibility? I don't know. It's hard to say. Here's where it says, at this meeting was, was uh, Roswell, uh, Jack Martin, David Ferry, and a bunch of Sergio Araca. Also at the meeting was Mr. Marcelo Vincent. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't know, man. My good friend, <laughs> my good friend Clay Shaw was also there. The envelope was put in a magazine. They bought me a magazine, stuck inside there. Uh, took a cab from the airport to a place called the Executive Inn in Dallas, where I met Mr. Howard. It's these big meetings that kill me. It's kind of like the Madeline Brown thing. 
You know what I mean? It's like you're going to have a little – if it's a little group, it's going to be a little meeting. Yeah, I mean it sounds – They're not going to have a ton of people there. <laughs> but I mean just the way it's, he's saying it, I mean he's using – you know, Marcelo family members, Marcelo uh, lawyers, yeah, Marcelo detectives. It's I mean, all it, blamed on Marcelo, sorry. Yeah. Which I don't buy. That that kind of wraps it up too neat, in my opinion, with a lot of these mafia. <laughs> right. What I was alluding to before about the mafia, I mean, if the CIA were to use them, because as we know, the CIA it is... is yeah. The CIA is not allowed to work inside the United States, yeah. supposedly. Well, yeah, but jam wave, so. Right. <laughs> right, but they can't go around killing people, you know, inside the United States. Um, or all well, hell would break loose. Well, you know, they can't make it look like they were killed anyway. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, they're going to use basically the mafia to do the dirty work they need done inside the states or, you know. Oh, I agree. Yeah. They, well, they, they tried. I mean, I think they were successful half the time, maybe. Right, right. Which is why I think, you know, Hoffa was so pissed at, at Bobby Kennedy. I mean, Bobby Kennedy mm-hmm. had to know that the, the CIA was using the mafia. Well, that's in one of the documents that uh, when we get to some of the other. Uh, is that this one or the next one? I actually have a document that talks about another one where Hoover told Bobby Kennedy. Yeah, so well, that's, let's get to that one. Uh, okay, well, hang on. Let me just knock out the last thing on this one. Sure. Uh, uh, the last thing of note, I think... Oh, no, actually, I'm sorry. It is this one. <laughs> I've, I, I'm looking at my bottom note. So last two things of note on this one. Okay. Uh, uh, a British journalist named John Wilson provided the American embassy that a gangster type named Ruby visited a man that he frequently was in jail with named Santos Traficante. Mm-hmm. So it's not definitive, but at least it's confirmation for the story I'm sure we've all heard of Ruby hooking up with Traficante. Now that would make sense because that would have been in '59 too, when the time around the time he was there, right? And I think there was an assertion made by Marita, Marita Lorenz too that that uh, Ruby was present. At a gun running meeting in Dallas before the assassination, as well. That's wholly possible. You know, he was in on a lot of stuff in Dallas. I don't necessarily believe all the stuff, you know, that some of the claims about him, but him committing crimes is not outside of the realm of possibility. He did it quite often. Right. All right, let's move on to Sam Giancana because this guy. Intrigues the hell out of me. One sec, and then I promise I will. This is that last thing about Bobby Kennedy. Oh, okay. In the document, it talks about uh, a... a It was May 10th, 1962, Hoover sent a teletype to Bobby Kennedy that told him that the CIA was using Roselli and the mob. Right. So Bobby Kennedy knew... Yeah. ...by May 62 that this was going on. Now, in my opinion, that, of course, you know, it doesn't – he had no inkling of what was going to happen as a result of it. But it shows that he knew that while he was hammering them, the CIA was working with them. Right. And there was – but well, by 62, there was no love loss between the CIA and the Kennedys either. Yeah. But, okay, yeah, uh, I just wanted to, there's a final one. So, yeah, we can uh, go on to the next one. We're going to talk about Giancana. 
Yeah, because this one, this guy kind of fascinates me out of, the most out of out of this little group of guys we're talking about here. Um, because this guy actually wrote a book, or was it his brother that wrote the book? Yeah, I think it was his, his brother and family. Yeah. Um, but he was also alleged to have an affair with the same woman Jack Kennedy was. was Exner, like, Judith Exner. Yeah, Judith Exner. And, you know, they had, it was... They were both part of like the Rat Pack crew, you know, the Sinatra and all these guys, Dean Dean Martin and mm-hmm. and uh, shit, I'm forgetting who was. Uh, well, Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. and, and uh, Joey Bishop. Yep, yeah, all those guys. Um, you know, this was, and of course, Giancana was 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 given the old uh, shut your mouth. <laughs> You know, before the HSCA. Yep. Well, he, he made one appearance. He just never made another. Right. <laughs> and yeah, he's one of the few that I think is actually a suspicious death as B.B. Bridgie. B.B. As he would say, uh, he would claim far too many, but I do think there are a handful that we can make reasonable illusions based on the evidence that were suspicious deaths. Most definitely. And uh, I, I agree with you 100% about Giancana. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck, come on. Five times in the head and four in the mouth. Yeah. That's a message. <laughs> yeah. That is Don't definitely talk. a message. Well, it's, a, it's not only a message to him, but it's a message to anybody else that wants to thinking about opening their mouth. Oh, exactly. And you know what? I'm sorry, but a lot of people, it's not a coincidence that Roselli ended up in a drum. <laughs> exactly. After he made a couple appearances. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and he's he's in mafia ties. He's got CIA ties. He's got Hollywood ties. Cuban Cuban exile ties. He's yeah. all over. Yeah. So yeah, no, those two I definitely think are among the handful that are reasonable to think might have had something to do with it. All right, so let's take a look at this document here. A little bit about okay. Sam Giancana. Well, it basically goes into. Uh, that Giancana, Roselli, and Mayhew, uh, as we've discussed before, were all part of the Castro plots, but there were other things that were going on, too, where they worked together. Um, the document talks about, uh, uh, it's another piece of the CIA Inspector General's report, they quote, and it reveals that in 1960, before the Castro plots were really fully underway, that Giancana got Mayhew to take the heat on a Justice Department investigation. Basically, one of his mistresses, he wanted her uh, tape recorded, and he wanted uh, Mayhew to use this guy to do it. So Mayhew did, and the guy got caught. So that involved the Justice Department, and eventually some wrangling occurred where if they revealed Giancana, Giancana would reveal the Castro plots. If they revealed Roselli, same thing. So Mayhew decided to then talked to his bosses, who talked to the people at the Justice Department, who let the charges go, and just never filed. Right, which is what happened a lot before Bobby Kennedy came along. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm sure it still happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most definitely, especially you know if they got dirt on somebody. Mm-hmm. Or it somehow... Because I'm sure it still goes on to this day. Well, yeah, and I mean, they go into other favors they did for him, too. Like, the, it also talks about the actions taken by various officials to postpone and prevent the deportation of Johnny Roselli. Like, Roselli, for half of the crimes that he committed through the 60s, he shouldn't have even been here to do them. But because he had that Castro plot's information, and because he was of use in connection to the Cuban exiles, they never let him go. 
They just kept using him, even though they knew that it would just add to what he had on them. Yeah. So then uh, uh, another thing is, uh, you know, in, in the same document, it talks about how the agency attempted to ward off FBI surveillance of the Castro plots in 63 and failed. You know, Hoover, that's uh, a lot of times people don't seem to realize that there's not just the plots that we can see and the plots that are affecting the public. They're plotting against each other, too, and playing games with each other. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. I mean, like you said, they're... You know, they're almost in competition when it comes to a lot of things. You know, we're talking drugs, guns. Yep. Um, informants. Informants, you know, th- general crime in general. Mm-hmm. Um, gambling. You know, CIA's got to make their money somehow, right? Exactly. <laughs> they got to fund those black ops somehow. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> they can't just call it all $100 million toilet seats, you know. <laughs> And yeah, and we, I mean, uh, another thing, uh, uh, Giancana, uh, in one discussion he had with uh, Sam Papich, who is the agency liaison to the, for the, from the FBI, and uh, Giancana said to Papich himself, so this is directly to one of Hoover's underlings, that he and Roselli had the CIA over a barrel because of the Castro plots, and that not only would that protect them from the CIA, but that would protect them from the FBI too. And then Roselli goes to Jack Anderson and the media with his information when they won't intercede on his behalf. So that's another dirty connection if people look. Uh, uh, Grant Cooper, who was Sirhan's attorney during the final, the, uh, his final attorney, I should say, uh, during, and that ran it during the trial, he was on trial simultaneously while he was in control of Sirhan's case because he represented Johnny Roselli and some other guys at a Friars Club case, and he had gotten a hold of illegal documents. So the whole time he's representing Sirhan, the government has him over a barrel on those illegal documents. And then after he represents Sirhan, he gets a $1,000 fine and gets to walk away when he could have done jail time. Yeah, lucky him. <laughs> you know, it's all these all these interesting coincidences. <laughs> yeah, kind of love them. <laughs> But yeah, it all comes back to Roselli basically being able to exert pressure on people because he had the Castro plots up his sleeve. All right, now let's get back into this other one a little bit about Lansky. Okay, uh, we touched on him earlier. But oh, oh uh, last one I wanted to throw in uh, for this do- second document was, and you're about to find that out more in the next one. But Tony Verona, Antonio Verona. Uh, was involved in phase one of the Castro plots. Now, we, I, you know, most people knew that he was involved in phase two because that's where it gets militarized and they try to use Cubans. But Verona was in on the mob half, too. Right. So so those connections are there between, you know, the mob, the CIA, and the exiles. Most definitely. Uh, okay, so you want to go to the next one. Next one's HFCA staff notes, and it, the document reveals that Meyer Lansky used the Cellini brothers as a front to offer aid to Tony Verona in 1960. So we might even have the mob hooking up with the exiles before the CIA had brought them all together. Right. Well, I mean, they would have, they would have had an interest before, you know, mm-hmm. really anybody else. Yeah. Cause Castro was killing people, you know, down there. Uh huh. No, definitely. It's, uh, <laughs> 
and that's some of the things you can find reflected in some of the CIA files is that they think that they may have given uh, the you know the aura of respectability of the government to already developing mafia plots. Like I think the mob wanted to kill Castro and already had plots to kill Castro set up. Now maybe those plots were shared with others who also had a plots to kill someone else and eventually that was formed into the plot to kill Kennedy. Yeah, it's the mutual interest society, you know. Yeah. Hey. Exactly. Enemy of my enemy is my friend. Exactly. So I think that, that that largely explains why, and you know that is basically the, one of the basis uh, motivations of the mafia. You know, murder is their thing. They've been doing murder for hundreds of years. And if they, they can't intimidate, well. yeah, and if they can't intimidate you, they kill you. And now imagine that those ideas were then moved with the professionalism and skill of the CIA or a rogue CIA or some of the militants of the exiles, that I think is where we can start to see a plot could possibly form. Right. I mean, we all seen the movies. We know how the mafia operates. You know, the lower level guys don't do things on their own accord. Everything, mm-hmm. Everything's got to be given approval from the boss. And if it's not, you die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Johnny Rosselli is not going to go out there and kill kill John F. Kennedy without approval. Yeah. First. And to be honest, they don't want that much heat. No. You know, it doesn't matter how crazy, crazy mob bosses like, uh, what was his name, Albert Anastasia, when he started just whacking people left and right at the end, that's why he died. When you start to just wholesale go outside of the realm of reason, like the, the mafia's primary function is money and power. You know, it, it has absolutely nothing to do, you know, personal vendettas, yes, those those do go on and those are going to happen, but you're not supposed to involve the public. You're not supposed to bring attention to the rest of us, is basically yeah, it's most thing. mobsters. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, so you're not, they're not going to be, I don't buy that they're going to be doing a national plot. First of all, they don't got the means, they don't got the power, and it, it's, it runs counterproductive to their entire business. Exactly. I mean, just like the... You know, the CIA is going to want plausible deniability. You know, if, if mm-hmm. they, that's why they involve the people like the mafia. The mafia is going to want plausible deniability. They're not going to have their guys out there doing something. You know? Which, yeah, so when you hear people like James Files claiming that it was Nicoletti yeah. on the scene, no. They're going to use professionals. Any, yeah, they're going to use prof- professional. Nicoletti ran hit teams, but hit teams and military-style takedowns are two different things. Yeah, and, and political assassinations are a whole other thing, too. Exactly. You know, it's, and a, though, it's a very specialized thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're not going to, yeah, which just, you know, besides the lack of evidence that Files doesn't have, you know, look at just what he claims. They're going to put a low-level nobody, which is what he was then, as the responsible party for taking out the... No, they're not going to do that. That's ridiculous. With a handgun? Here's this cool-ass handgun that's not even available to the public yet. Yeah, and how the hell did the mafia get it? (laughs) What, they broke in so that they could have this one guy that they... Yeah, it just, it all falls apart. Any of these things where they say there's a famous person there taking the shots? No, because they're going to want to get somebody... uh, I think, I don't know if we talked about this before, but if if you're looking for a sniper, you don't want to get the best, first of all. Because the best will be missed when you kill him afterwards. <laughs> yeah. You want to get the third or fourth best. Exactly. Someone who can get the job done but won't be missed. Exactly. 
those are the kinds of people I would see as being snipers. Or rather somebody than, you know that's damn good enough to that you trust enough. Yeah, that's done it before to do it to do it right and get the hell away and never exactly. be caught. Well, and even in that case, you know what I mean? I just don't – I don't buy a lot of these guys who say that they knew everything years later after everyone's gone because they would have been killed in my opinion. <laughs> if you – you know what I mean? If you weren't one of the planners and you were somebody that was expendable, which is basically everyone but the planners, they, they didn't want to leave loose ends to come back later. Right. So – yeah, that's yeah. People like files, and anybody that claims it was them and a bunch of famous people are ridiculous. <laughs> There's no evidence for all that. No, no, not at all. <clears throat> and uh, have you ever heard of somebody named T. Casey Brennan? Mm-mm. I hadn't either today until today. Uh, I got a friend request from uh, T. Casey Brennan, and is that Tim Brennan? I don't know. He he appears to be in. Uh, let me see here. I'm pulling him up right now. He appears to be. Well, his, his profile says he's a me- member of Mensa. Okay. But he also <laughs> alleges that he was. Uh, well, somebody has put him as. A, he's number eight on. Uh, let me find it. He's number eight in Bugliosi's book. Of being a possible assassin of JFK. Bugliosi didn't say that. What? Bugliosi blamed Oswald. He didn't read Bugliosi's book, apparently. Yeah, I don't know, (laughs) dude. Um, So that's a no, I'm thinking. He he claims to have been a uh, a victim of MKUltra. Oh boy, here we go. And I'm trying to find where the specific part of this I, JFK... I think someone read Thornley's bio. <laughs> I know, right? Um, he was a... Uh, he did some comic book work. <laughs> Sounds like he still is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I'm trying to find where he says something about... I think I'm getting too interview. cynical in my old age. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought I'd throw it out there. I didn't know if he was part of the mafia or what it, What he was part of. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's hilarious that he threw in all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, he looks like an interesting dude. Uh, Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> As you know. Hey, he, fr- he friended <laughs> me, man. <laughs> It's always a good thing to do that. I tell, <laughs> I've been telling people, I'm like, whenever I get near 200, I gotta go through and check. Yeah, I don't like to have too many. Thin the herd a little bit. <laughs> always happy to help people get rid of fake names off of their their friend list. It's ridiculous some of the names that are out there too. Oh yeah, like uh, John Smith or Helen Smith. Or... Yeah, or, or, or the dead. How about the dead people? How about everybody stop pretending you're dead people, please? <laughs> yeah. Like, if I see Dorothy kill Gollum one more fucking time, pardon my French. <laughs> or, or there's a, there's, there's actually a Lee Oswald, there's a, uh, yeah. there's Gary the, Thornley. Well, there used to be Alec Heidel until he was exposed. <laughs> Who the hell was that, anyway? Brian Kelshaw. <laughs> oh, his my name. God. I'm hoping that he gets all the comeuppance he deserves from all the threats he's made against people. Nice. So, now it's on tape. Congratulations. <laughs> so, 
Let me ask you a question. I, I haven't. I haven't personally. I know there's a movie coming out with Leo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. Have you ever read any of Lamar Waldron's mafia-oriented books? I read part of one, and then I kind of didn't finish it. <laughs> Uh, One of those, just, huh? Well, you know, it was just because, and I know a lot of people respect him. I'm sure he's a great guy, but he just tries to put it all on them, and they don't have the power to do it. You know, they don't. First of all, they don't have the power. Secondly, only a few of their leaders in Roselli knew of of all the CIA tactics, or not even all, but you know, the tactics associated with the Castro plots. So. You're not going to be able to keep a secret that big amongst that many people. And the mafia itself, you know, it's not as to the standards of compartmentalization that the CIA is. But even the mafia, you don't tell a bunch of people what you're doing. And in his book and in other books like that, you know, they've they've just got too many moving parts. It's got to be a small group, you know, who uses a couple assassins. One of the things in uh, some of the documents that we discuss is they talk about the three-man team is what was kind of uh, putting off some people in the agency because that reminded them of other small compartmentalized groups. That, you know, the mob was talking about using a three-man team. The Cubans were talking about using a three-man team just like they were going to with Castro. You mean there's not ten shooters and twenty spotters? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Jimmy. Jimmy Fetz and his endless army of people just murdering. Uh, you know, that's another thing. Is Where were they? If you've got all these shooters, oh, if you've got tell a you. small army on the ground. Yeah, I know, exactly, with pictures that you can't prove. <laughs> 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 if you see that blur, yeah, that's six guys. Oh, we've got but, uh, two, two of them in the de- uh, school book depository, uh, one in the Dow Techs, one on the roof of the Dow Techs, one on the roof of the county records building. Yeah, well, here's another question. One in the storm drain, one on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Where's the ballistics evidence for all of it? How about that? (laughs) He'll tell you that, too. Yeah, I know. You know, it's like when people talk about that. That's why, you know, besides all the other reasons we've discussed to doubt the Mauser thing, the reason why I will never get behind the Mauser besides the other inconsistencies is that there's no ballistics evidence. It makes more sense to me that they would use two Carcanos rather than multiple different types of ballistics that can be traced. Oh, I agree. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't want to use a bunch of different guns. No, because there's a bunch of different shooters. <laughs> no, um, well, I mean, really, the only, I guess, verifiable um, ballistic evidence is 399. Yeah, well, not even that. The uh, the the pieces, the fragments that were in his head. It was mean, hard, it's a little harder to attribute fragments and pieces to. Being specifically oh. Carcano bullet, so oh, oh no, I agree with that. I just mean that it, because it all is at least record. They they can at least put it to. My thing is that though the Carcano itself wasn't the greatest weapon, it, it could fire, and that's what they're relying on largely. But I also uh, something I'm going to talk about in the book. I'm still trying to track down more information on it. There was a marksman issue of the Carcano as well. That was five times more accurate than the regular Carcano. So all you need is another shooter with that better Carcano, and all the ballistics evidence matches. Right. To me, that's a lot more easy to do than trying to, you know, I mean, because the fragments, true, the fragments are probably a lot harder to match up, and maybe they can't be matched up. But if you want to keep everything consistent, 
Yeah, we can say Mauser, Mauser, Mauser all day long, but until we have a goddamn Mauser... Exactly, and that's another thing. Where did it go? The Alea film was taken seconds after they discovered stuff. Yeah. You know, you can't just make the gun vanish. No, no. Which is a good point. Yeah, you know. You know, either either the the Carcano was used or it wasn't. It was just used to frame him. So it's one or the other. Yeah, and, you know, then people say, like, well, what if it was, you know, different bullets and they adjusted the Mauser? Once again, that's a lot of work. Why not just use multiple Carcanos? You know, you got so many moving parts on this thing, you don't want to create any additional headaches for yourself. Well, like in the Stephen Hunter book, he actually did test where, and I forget exactly what gun it was now, but it was a gun that was available back then uh, where Carcano bullets would work in it. Would work in it. Yeah, hey, that's, you know what, that is wholly possible. I'm definitely willing to look at evidence for that and willing, you know, yeah, that that makes, that could make some sense. Yeah, I mean. But it, just them saying that it was Carcano, you know, that it wasn't the Carcano at all and it wasn't Carcano bullets? Yeah. No, that's, sorry guys, that's all we have. <laughs> yeah, and what's cool about that book, I mean, Stephen Hunter writes fiction, okay, it's a mm-hmm. fiction book, okay, but he actually tested it. <laughs> you know, he documented his, his testing of, of this of this rifle that was a lot more reliable, a lot better, um, you know, than the Carcano. And he was able to fire Carcano bullets out of this rifle. Yeah, that's that. That's the, I think it's hilarious that it came from a fiction book. But yeah, no, that's a hell of a lot more reasonable than some of these nonfiction books. Yeah, well, like at the back of the book, you know, there's a special section of that you know, details and documents how he tested it to make sure it would work in the book, you know, yeah. that, that it wasn't just some bullshit um, theory. Well, which just goes to show you, it's kind of funny that a fiction author does more research than some of these nonfiction guys. Exactly. Exactly. So, Carmine, what is your best guess as far as the mafia involvement in this assassination? Wow. You already want to go there? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hammer through these final couple ones real quick. <laughs> oh, we can we can hit them. Um, you know, I'll start. I'll and I'm then only, I'll ask you again. Only, yeah, I know exactly. Only for you and uh, and Chuck and a rare few others will I give any of these because I don't like to ever speculate. But I think the best thus far, based on the evidence, is the fail safe. Uh, you know, that's just the term I use for it with Ruby. I think that that is the only thing we can attribute that has a lot of evidence to back it up to it all being the, you know, I just, I can't go with, and it's funny because I think the mafia did it is just another one of the evolutions that we go through. Um, You know, having talked to you and Chuck and other people who have been doing this for decades that you guys had to fight your way through. And I, I got lucky because I knew people like you and, because I, I, you know, I just got lucky on what I the first pieces of evidence I started to, to track down. I didn't have to go through a lot of this, but I think a lot of people, the reason they get so apathetic and the reason why they lose interest in the case largely, is because there's so much crap you have to wade through to get to the evidence. Yep, there's a lot. I, there's a lot of, of bullshit that's been waded through with these waders. I can tell you that. Oh yeah, man. I mean, you know, just and it's endless. It's like you know, you got. Files. You got Baker. You got Stone. You got. Um, I mean, you can name a bunch too. I'm sure. You know, there's Fetzer. Yeah. You know, you've got you got people who have been just 
lumping out this dreck (laughs) for 10 years at least and just covering all the evidence in it so that you got to wipe everything off to actually get to something of value. Yeah, now I always thought, and I like your idea of of Ruby as a failsafe, because for me it was always it was always hard to figure out the Ruby component. It's Mm -hmm. hard it's hard to match Ruby without a whole lot of stretching to what was going on in New Orleans, but prior to the assassination, and then on the other side of the assassination, what he did. Mm-hmm. It's hard to link Ruby to the CIA. It's hard to link him to the right wingers, even you know, other than running guns a little bit, uh, really to the uh, Cuba anti-Castro Cubans. Mm-hmm. But in fifty nine, in fifty nine, though, we do know for at least I think it was eight or nine months, he was an FBI informant, right? So we can at least not to say that you know the FBI had any direct link, but he was known to Hoover. Again, another person a long time before, who was known to Hoover, that he acted like he didn't know, and he lied. When Hoover gave his affidavit to the commission, he said he didn't know Ruby or Oswald, and neither one of them had a connection to the FBI, which is a lie. Right. And Ruby also owed a hell of a lot of money to the IRS. Oh, yeah. No, there's, it could have yeah. been another motivation, you know, to say, hey, you know, we'll forgive your debt to the IRS or we'll give you the money to pay it off. Exactly. The mob might have said we'll take care of it. Right. You know, it's there's different motivations here for Jack Ruby. But the one that makes the most sense is, like you said, possibly as a, a mafia failsafe. Yep. You know, as a last resort things. kind of guy. Well, and that's in the, the if you look at the, uh, the 1954, if you want, uh, next time we do documents, if you want to go into some of the the CIA stuff, uh, the Castro assassination, uh, not the assassination, but there was an assassination plots uh, guide that was made before the Castro assassinations back in the 50s for PB success. And right. that's one of the things in it is it says that you want to have these fail saves. You want to have, you know, uh, the, the, the assassin cannot fall into the hands of the enemy alive. Right. Which is exactly what happened here. Yep. Because if, if they would have got him anywhere along the way or before he got to the theater, you know, not in public, not with other people around that could say, hey, man, these cops just came in and shot him in cold blood. He didn't, wasn't doing anything but sitting there. Yeah. You know, then we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had no other choice but to take him alive, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think that the DPD, you know, they had no clue. The DPD knew that, well, according to what the information they were given, they knew that there was somebody who killed the president. They knew that this guy, Oswald, according to them, had killed Tippett. So they just made the, the leap. You know, they got a guy who killed one of their own. You know, he, he was at the area. He seems to line up with the, the presidential. Let's put that on him, too. Yeah, I mean, and this was the last possible minute that the public would have had any possible way to get to Oswald. Because yep. once he would have went into... You know, Protective custody was over. Yeah, that was it. I mean, this was absolutely the last chance. Even even Ruby's shot is interesting because he only, I mean, a one shot gut shot. Right. That, I mean that, that that doesn't usually kill people. No, it doesn't. Um, 
but you know what? Once once he's on that stretcher and he's in an ambulance or he's and he's at the hospital, anything could happen. You know? Oh yeah. Well, we know for sure that they were trying to give him uh, the chest compressions, and that just made him bleed out faster. Yeah, that's that's bad. Um, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, you know, but unfortunately, then we get people like you know Baker who will try to say that they tortured him and you know shaved him and did all this other crazy stuff to him. Yeah, well, that's what happens in an autopsy, you know. Yeah. They, they shave your hair so they can see what's going on underneath of it if, if they need to, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, and, you know, it's just people trying to make nefarious connections where you don't need to. You can just look at the incompetence and what Ruby did, and that's enough. You don't need to make up a bunch of reasons. Old Sparky. <laughs> yeah, Damn well, and man. another thing to, to note about Ruby, too, is the visit that he got a day or two after from uh, one of the Campisi brothers in jail. yeah. yeah. The personal visit is what it's called. <laughs> yeah. You know, and he, didn't he eat dinner there too? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, no, he was a frequent guest there. I actually, when I went down to Dallas, I ate at Campisi's. It's still there. I bet you did. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> What's funny is I asked the lady, I'm just like, so uh, does the same family own this place? She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, ah, family business. Okay. <laughs> I'm Carmine Stavastan. <laughs> nice. No, I was just like, uh, I'm not saying my name. <laughs> <laughs> From the Sicilian Stavastanos. Exactly. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I really, I really think that uh, I'm glad that you agree. I, I think that that's just where the evidence lays it so far with Ruby is that he's a he's a probable fail safe. But the mafia doing this all by themselves doesn't doesn't work. No, I mean, we, we, we know Marcelo was pissed because Bobby Kennedy had, had had him deported twice. Yeah. You know, taken out of the country and dropped off somewhere. And and I'm sure made it as hard as possible for his businesses to function. Right. You know, I mean, these guys had reasons. And, and you know, to get into another one here about Hoffa, <clears throat> um, you know, just what they were doing to Hoffa, what they did to Marcelo. You know, these guys had reasons. Oh, yeah. And, you know, well, if you want to uh, – because uh, – if you want, I'll, real quick, I'll, I'll knock out these last two. So yeah, we go can ahead. Just, uh, in, in, the thir- in the fourth document, it's, it's a meeting of Johnny Roselli and Sheffield Edwards that occurred in May 1966. Now, this is years after the agency claimed all contact had ceased. So that just goes to show you, once again, Roselli and Giancana's knowledge and the knowledge of others involved, that did compromise the agency. So they would occasionally send out an officer like Sheffield Edwards or uh, Harvey, just ended up getting fired, in my opinion, not only for his alcoholism, but because he disobeyed them. They told Harvey to stop talking to Roselli, and he wouldn't. Like, Roselli at one point was asking Harvey to be his lawyer, they talk so much. Yeah. And look where they sent old Harvey. Uh, exactly. Italy. <laughs> yeah, of course. Oh, no, it's interesting, too. If you look back, there's a couple of people. I think that's one of the reasons why, as, as evil and as you know messed up as Angleton was, I really think that Angleton... A lot of people try to blame Angleton for some of this. Angleton definitely was involved in the cover-up afterwards, but if you look at his immunized testimony to the HSCA, he says a door should have been left open, and he told Dulles that he knew that this wasn't what happened, what the commission was trying to say. Right. So I don't think that he was involved, because why would he say that if he was? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Um, and then, so that's that just goes to show you that there was the connections that were still going on even after the CIA said to stop. And then the final document, it's uh, from the final report of the HSCA, 
And there's a, like I was telling you, Kane had spread that thing back in April about the FPCC. You said that there was that meeting that people were saying was going on with the John Birch Society. Well, we've also got Giancana uh, telling uh, one of his associates uh, in the HSCA that, or not in the HSCA, but in, in the HSCA report, that he says that the Fair Play for Cuba committee is going to keep the feds busy and they're going to leave the mafia alone. So maybe that was another part two of the mafia that they were just spreading propaganda, whether or not they knew that that propaganda was setting up. Because now you've got all these different groups talking about the Fair Play for Cuba committee. The Fair Play for Cuba committee was not the primary Marxist group. It was just some little group that Oswald was never a member of and made up a fake chapter about. But that all plays into all these rumors. So that connects him. Right, and paints him in a... Into a corner that he can never escape. Exactly. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I, I'm sorry, but that all can't be coincidence. It cannot be coincidence that all of these connected mafia figures, you got guys from the John Birch Society and all these people floating plots. I mean, it takes all of the notice away from the people who might have actually done it. Yeah, it's one thing. It definitely muddies the water. I mean, cause mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people that wanted Kennedy dead oh, yeah. or gone, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Or at least they they. Even if they didn't want him dead, per se. Um, they wanted him out of office. Right. It would have benefited them to have John Kennedy not around anymore. Yeah. You know. And I think that's largely what a lot of this relies upon. A lot of these guys that don't use the evidence that we end up in arguments with, you know, they just, they're guessing. They're guessing because there are reasons that all these groups would have to kill him. But if we can't connect them, then, you know, you're just, you're just guessing. <laughs> yeah. We got to lay down the evidence and show, you know, like we did, like we've talked about today. You know, I think that hopefully we this will show people that Jack Ruby was not just this passionate man. That he stalked Oswald, that he was in contact with the mafia before and after, that he was placed in Dallas by the mafia to get in contact with the police so that they, he could be useful. Yeah, and he was also talking to the police for hours the, the night before he did this. Yeah. And he was he was he was correcting Henry Wade at the press conference yeah. that shows you foreknowledge. How the <laughs> he hell would Jack Oswald. Ruby know about the Fair Play for Cuba committee? Exactly, or Oswald, unless he was told about him or he looked into him. Yeah, I mean, I can't even get all these Cuban uh, organizations straight. You know, you had the the DSC, the oh yeah, yeah Cuban Directorate, the Cuban Liberation Federation. I mean, and then you've got all their Spanish names they use. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't even know all that shit, let alone how Jack Ruby would know it all without the internet. I mean, come the, on. Yeah, the day of, too. Yeah, the day of. Unbelievable. You know I mean? Yeah, how, how is Jack Ruby in a day going to get all this stuff and be ready to correct the press secretary for the DPD? <laughs> right. Uh-uh-uh. Which I think rolls us right into the, because this, you know, it's not a document, but I think that it, it talks towards, uh, you know, just the rest of what we were discussing. Uh, if anyone gets a chance, it was History's Detectives. Uh, the episode was Who Killed Jimmy Hoffa? And they go in, it's, it's a pretty interesting episode where they make a pretty good case for maybe the guy that killed him and why Hoffa died. Uh, but the most interesting part of the episode in comparison to what we're discussing, I think, is... Hoffa actually at the end was right Um, when he got thrown in jail and he was banned from leading the Teamsters. That was actually illegal. The Teamsters should have still been allowed to vote him in if they wanted to. 
but the leader of the Teamsters at the time, who had mafia connections, called Nixon and actually talked about that he would make sure the Teamsters supported Nixon and you know kicked his campaign a bunch of money if he could make sure that Hoffa was never put in charge again. Yep, you so now scratch you, my back and I'll scratch yours. So now you've got the President of the United States conspiring <laughs> with a mafia-connected leader to keep Hoffa out of power. Uh, Nixon. And, yeah, tricky dick. <laughs> um, and then uh, what is later revealed, they, they go into the Nixon tapes, and anyone can watch the episode, and if you want, like I did, go into the tapes afterwards, and you can hear Nixon commanding you know, his staff members. It ends up, what ends up happening is one of his staff members meets a mafia fixer at a casino and gets 500 grand in cash to pay off the Watergate people. To keep them quiet. So you've got the president making deals, which goes back to Nixon being involved, you know, in the uh, in, uh, in the Red Scare and some of the mafia connections he made there. Oh, yeah. And Alpha 66 and all that. Yeah. So now, yeah, you've got Nixon's another nexus point between the mob, the government and the mercenaries. Yeah. And that's a whole nother show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Nixon and Watergate. I've been trying to talk uh, Russ into doing it. It's just a matter of when he has some time to do it. Nice. Though I don't think he'd want to do it. You could always ask Roger Stone if he knows anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'll pass on that one. Yeah, well, you know, after the tattoo, I don't think he's going to talk about anything, honestly. About Nixon. <laughs> what but, an uh, idiot. Yeah, what are you going to do? That guy. I don't know. It's... He just reminds me of Steve-O from Jackass with that back tattoo. Nice. An, an elderly version or an yeah, advanced version. Stupid bleached hair and hair plugs. <laughs> Come on, dude. You're almost 70 years old. Act well, like. you know, I don't I don't like to go into the personal stuff, but I definitely know his methods are lacking. <laughs> hey, if, you're, if your appearance isn't genuine and fake, yeah, uh, well, then generally yeah. what you're saying uh, will follow suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, know what, what I saying? can't I can't really disagree too much on that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Carmine, is there anything else you wanted to get to here on the mafia or do you think we covered uh, them pretty good here? No, I, I I think we're good. Just let me know when uh, are we rolling towards the end? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um do, would you mind if I threw in a few plugs? Please do. If you, uh, if you didn't, I was going to, so go ahead. Um I just want to let everybody know, uh, if you get a chance, please go to uh, com. Uh, that's Two Princes and a King. It's the website for my book that will be coming out at the end of this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, it's, uh, to give you a little background on it, it's the case with an eye for primary evidence. I'm trying to use as much primary, at least 70 to 80% primary documents, all official documents that cannot be challenged by officials how dare you do that <laughs> i know <laughs> they never use their own stuff on them is what they never say. ever heard of anybody doing that before <laughs> well i uh, i am happy <laughs> hopefully to be among the first yeah and also over on tlg podcast i put a permanent link up to, to carmine's website i appreciate that it sir. is a little blue button on the side of the page and if you're on the mobile version it's at the bottom and it says tpac.com. You hit that, it'll take you right to Carmine's site. 
Another good thing on the site, too, is I have a recommended page, which includes the Lone Gun Moon podcast and a handful of other, I think, really quality programs and shows. And it'll also give you uh, links to all the places I go to get the primary evidence, so you can do it so as well if you wish. Good, good, because I think people should, you know, get to the Mary Farrell, History Matters, places like that. Yep. National Archives site and uh, do their research there, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Don't always take somebody's word for it. If you think that there's a problem with something, check it out, because you never know. I I myself have been surprised with the things, and I'm sure you have too, Rob, that you can find when you actually look at the documents yourself. Right. And also, everybody, check out ucy.tv. Nice. T-O-E. That stands for the O'Chelly Effect. Uh, Mr. Chuck O'Chelly has been doing a lot of JFK-related shows here recently. He's got a lot of good good ones in the archive and a lot more coming up. So feel free to check him out. And my buddy Doug Campbell, his podcast, The Dallas Action, can be found on Spreaker, just like mine. All you have to do is search it. Um, he's back. He's podcasting again, so feel free to check him out. And Another Chuck, good one. Yeah, at you at uh, ucy.tv backslash T-O-E. Uh, also, if you could, um, uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash NEEP, uh, M-G, uh, NEEP, capital N, and then the M-G is capital at the end. Uh, or you, when you go to uh, com, or if you are on Google+, Plus, you can check out the Neapolis Media Group page there. I'll have links to the Lone Gunman podcast, uh, you can also go to uh, my Chuck or Rob's YouTube pages for the shows as well. Awesome. <laughs> Trying to think of everywhere we can go. You can go to Spreaker or Weebly for Rob. <laughs> yeah. TLGpodcast.com, baby. I just recently figured out how to how to actually embed HTML into my website so you can actually Without going anywhere else, just click the play button for each episode, and it's right there. It couldn't be easier. Nice. Always trying to make it as easy as possible for people to get a hold of our stuff. Exactly. If I could figure out a way to embed it into Facebook, I would. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's possible. (laughs) If it is, we'll figure it out. Maybe someday. (laughs) I mean, we can't even put uh, GIFs on Facebook yet. So. (laughs) I also wanted to say thanks, man. I really appreciate you... uh, sitting down to talk with me so we could go over this stuff and hopefully uh, we helped a few people out today. Oh, no doubt. This is something I haven't addressed yet on the show. You know, I mean, I've touched on it in places, but never really dedicated a show about the mafia. I know a lot of people out there have beliefs that they were, you know, behind it or involved. So I think it was a good thing. You know, we uh, touched on a lot of good stuff here today and, you know, we definitely can say that there was something going on there. You know, oh, yeah. behind the scenes yeah. and, and associated with the CIA and the uh, anti-Castro-Cuban plots, most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, as for an actual assassin, we still don't know. But it damn sure wasn't James Files or Chucky Nicoletti. Yeah, or yeah, any of the most of the famous mafia people they try to put in Dealey Plaza without any proof. Yeah, uh, Johnny Roselli in the Storm Drain. Yeah, no. Uh, once again, bad trajectory. Somebody, somebody saw the X Files. I know. God bless them. All right, Carmine, I appreciate you coming on and talking to me with about this. Um, hopefully, there will be no repercussions from uh, 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 kind of, the family. Kind of, used to them. kind of used nice from the family. <laughs> well, 
they don't need to worry. The government's already watching me. Exactly. <laughs> so everybody just back off. This is this is our thing, okay? Hey. <laughs> All right, buddy. As always, Rob. Hey, awesome. All right, guys, that's it for this one. Episode 62 in the can. This some bitch is beaming up the satellite down directly to your ears, people. This is Rob Clark thanking Carmine again for coming on the show. Until next time, people. Peace. right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. 
and update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 US only.